Thank you for tuning in. We trust you will feel encouraged, uplifted, and inspired to build God's kingdom with us. Enjoy the message. All right. Would you mind turning with me to uh, James chapter 1? We're going to read a verse tonight and then verse 17 together. Then we're going to go to verse 18 the next week. But then we're going to combine a couple of passages. Otherwise, we're going to be uh, forever in the same book. So uh, just uh, bear with us as we trust to really God, for God to speak to us through this book. Verse 17 of uh, James. It says this. Every good and perfect gift is from above. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. So just that verse for tonight, and you, I hope you're reading the book and you're reading it uh, a number of times for it to really sink into your heart as well. So let me ask you a question before we go on uh, this evening. How many of you, like me, really get irritated with Christianese? You know what Christianese is? It's when people use cliches and, and sentences, and you wonder if they really understand what they mean. But they're trying to almost impress you with it. Uh, and sometimes it just sounds like they make a noise. Some people pray Christianese uh, or cliches, Christian cliches, and some people uh, often make statements. And you listen to this and you think, is this even biblical? This statement. Let me go through some of those quickly with you, and then we'll go on with our sermon. Is, is, have you heard people say, when God closes a door, he opens a window? Where in the Bible is that? Sometimes when God closes a door, he just closes the door. And thank God that he closes the door from time to time. Because otherwise, you and I would have been really ain't by now. I'm not going to go into detail with all of this. Uh, you know, somebody really goes through pain, and here's some Christianese. I really know what you're going through. No, you're not. We should actually be honest with people and say, no, you're not. Don't be silly. Rather keep quiet and give me silly stuff, you know. Um, and here's something um, that also we go, especially people, somebody lost their husband or their wife and death or they've lost their business or whatever, and you just say, it's going to be fine. You know, it's the last thing they want to hear at that moment. You know, it's, it's going to be fine. And they say, your footman, you know. You know, it's, it's the end of the world this. Here's another cliche that I totally dislike. I'm too blessed to be stressed. <laughs> You know, what do you mean by that nonsense? You know, I'm too blessed to be stressed. You know, no, 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 it's not true. Oh, here's a famous one. I'm washed in the blood of Jesus. How many of you are visitors here or new, new to our faith? And if you had to come here the first time, you don't know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, and saying, tonight you're going to get washed in the blood of the Lamb. How many of you would stay? I will run. It's not biblical. What we actually want to say is, my sins are forgiven by the blood that was shed on the cross. All right? Let me give you another thing. Two of them that we use, and, and I know the answer before, before, I, before as, as the people say it, I just know the answer. The answer is very simple, but this is, if you say to her, would you mind helping me serve in this area? And they say, here's the, here's the Christianese. If I feel led. Or, Rulof, I will pray about it. <laughs> Can't you just say no? I don't want to do it. All right? All right, here's another one. Find this in the Bible for me, and, and, if, and if it is there, I will, I, will, I will confess my sins before the congregation. Invite Jesus into your heart. Does it say it in the Bible? Look it up and see if you can find it. It doesn't say that. 
It is something we have developed. Actually, what we're saying is surrender your life to Christ. Not just invite him into your heart. It's confused a lot of people and kids as well. You know, invite him into your heart. Just, I'm not going to elaborate on all of this. And, and here's another one. I've said this a few times in our church. God loves you just the way you are. The person's life is in a mess, and you say, God loves you just the way you are. No, he doesn't. He loves you so much that he wants to change you. Otherwise, why would he die? Okay? And here, here's another one. Yeah, yeah, now, now listen to me. And, and, and I know that the morning congregation didn't want to play with me when I said that. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. How many of you really believe that? It's in the Bible. How many of you believe it? Now you can be honest. I believe it. All right? Now none of you believe it because you know this is the trick one. If you really believe it, Stuart, then come and pick this thing. If you can do anything through Christ who strengthens you, put this up and push it 10 times above your head. You see, it does not mean I can do anything. What Paul actually said in the context was just this. He said, when I go through difficult times, when I'm tested and, and go through a hardship, I can do all things. In other words, I can go through this by the power of Christ. So don't use the scripture to... The cliches to actually say nothing, sweet blow nothing, or to confuse a few people as well. Here's something that sometimes can get a bit under your skin. Listen to this. Uh, years ago in church, uh, people used to say this, God is good. All right, some of you heard it. All the time. Okay, some of you are not even saying it because it's already sort of getting under your skin. Because you think, you know what, it's not good at the moment. It's not so lucky at the moment. And, and, and how do you, you know, the statement. Now, now, let me tell you something about this statement because this is my, is my theme for tonight. Is This is not a cliche, but it can sound like one. But what we're saying, God is good, is exactly what the Bible says He is. And I want to highlight a couple of things. And I'm going to throw out a number of scriptures to you. Better stay with me and write some of them down or, or find it on the website this week as well. Because God is is a good, good father. Otherwise, we mustn't sing that song. He is a good, good God. When I studied this week of the material and I started to look about all the things that speaks about the goodness of God and, and this one says that and this sermon is that and so on. And I started to look at this and I think, man, there is a vast amount of material on the goodness of God. And I had one or two choices, one that I could systematically go through each one of them and keep you until 12 o'clock tonight and do three of them and then ask you to come back for the next 12 weeks and do another five of them because there's so much in the Bible about the goodness of God. Or I could just say, Lord, help me just to put a, a picture together in our hearts tonight to help us to understand that God is a good, good God. And I know some of you are saying, but hey, Rulof, that's not how I feel. That's not what I experience. That's not how I see him even. Because you know what? It is true to say, life is hard. A lot of it is caused by ourselves, but life is hard. That's the reality. We are in a war zone, my friend. And a war is not a friendly place, regardless of what you think about it. Watch some war movies and see how excited these guys are to be shot at and to bleed and to run away and so on. And that's not even true. That's just a movie. It is a war zone. No matter where you are, who you are, 
as you may be going through a form a little bit or much difficulty even tonight as we sit here. We all have it from time to time. In everyone's life, there are seasons of, of conflict and, and tension and pain in our lives. And that is why I'm saying to you, we are in a war zone. Some of the pain we cause ourselves. You know, and our pain can vary tonight. Maybe we're sitting here and you're saying, my pain is so severe because I've just lost a job. I have been, I, I, I just, my, a, a spouse just died or my aunt just died or something just died. And the pain is so severe. For others, the pain is, is, is maybe a real thing, but it's not so severe. You came to church and you say, man, there's no hot water for coffee here tonight. And so the, 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 the range of pain is from severe to, in some people's mind, maybe, oh, come on now, you know. But for you, it's a reality. Life is hard, and life can be very hard. What's more, when we go through these difficulties, my inclination is, and that's just the way I am, and maybe you are like that as well, I'm looking for Things to fix. So if there's an issue, I want to fix it. I want to just leave it. I'm looking for a reason. I'm looking. I crave explanations when things go wrong. And maybe you are just like me as well. So in this time of tragedy and pain and stuff, there is an inclination in me. There's a desire in me to give an answer. And as a pastor, I've learned that sometimes the answer is this. When people come and say, why am I going through this? That God is taught me through the years to sometimes give a very profound and simple answer. I don't know. And that's honest. Sometimes I've just got to say that. I don't know why you're going through it. Because you see, we want to justify it by saying, well, maybe God is allowing it or God is even causing it. But when I look at the Bible, I see that there is a God that is actually a good, good God. And it's almost like this, uh, in this war zone, I'm in this valley, and I've said this before, and there's God on the one side wanting us to be blessed and to love him and to honor him, and, and, and on the other side, there's Satan firing his arrows at us all the time, seeking to kill and destroy. That's what John chapter 10 verse 10 says. He seeks to kill and destroy, but God wants to give life in abundance. And that's the tension in my life. So when I read that verse in James chapter 1, verse 17, it says, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father. Whether you are a righteous person tonight or not, every good thing that you experience, whether you acknowledge it or not, is from the Father who's in heaven. You see, there's a vast number of scriptures, and I'll give you a number tonight. I'm just going to throw it out. I can't preach a sermon on <clears throat> each one of these that just speaks about the goodness of God. And it is a fact. It is factual. In First Chronicles chapter 16, verse 34, it says, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, and His loving kindness is everlasting, the Bible says. Now, I want you to tell you that God's goodness is everlasting. But how long? How much? How, how, how many years? How, how is, what is everlasting? Any definition? Anybody wants to try it? It basically just says, it endures for all time. That's what David says, that's the Bible, that's how, that's God's goodness. That's who he is, from everlasting his goodness is. In Psalm 31, verse 19 to 20, it says this, How great is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you, which you have wrought of for those <coughs> who take refuge in you. In other words, the psalmist here again say to us, God's goodness is abundance. It is stored up in heaven for us. How big is heaven's storeroom, my friend? Have you got any clue? <laughs> Have you got any clue? 
Then he goes on and he says in Psalm 100, or Psalm 100 verse 5, it says this. He says, his goodness extends through generations. I'm coming back to 34 in a minute, but Psalm 100 says, for the Lord is good. His loving kindness is everlasting and his faithfulness to all generations. His faithfulness to all generations. I've seen God in my own life. My great, great, great grandfather was a pastor. And so it came down into, and it doesn't mean that you, 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 got, you see God's faithfulness only when you're on a pastor, but in our lineage, in our line, the faithfulness of God has been demonstrated in every generation right down to my grandchildren as well. Because we honor the Lord. Not all the time, not all of my family. Some of them not. But we've seen from generation to generation God has blessed us. Let me go back quickly to Psalm uh, 34 verse 8 because it's such a lacquer one. It says, taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes his refuge in him. So take your refuge in him and then it says, taste and see. In other words, you can experience the goodness of God. Not just a cliche, but a reality in your life and in my life as well. Psalm 135 verse 3 says, praise the Lord for his good. Sing praises to his name for it is lovely. In other words, sing about it. That's why we sing songs. In Psalm 145 verse 7 it says, they eagerly utter the memory of your abundant goodness and will shout joyfully of your righteousness. Now, now, now the Jews have a habit and still today that they will look back very regularly with their family. And they would look back and say, how good God has been to us as a nation. And they would recite it, that God delivered us here. God did this, God did that, and so on. They would go through their history just reciting the goodness of God. It's a good thing for you to do it with your children, is to point them back and to say, can you see the goodness of God? Even in the tough times that God has been good to us. After it, speak it. Psalm 145 uh, verse 9, it says, The Lord is good, and His mercies are, all, are over all His works. In other words, He is good to all. He is good to all, that verse says. He's good to all, and I'll come back to that in a moment. In Mark chapter 10, verse 18, Jesus said it himself, that God is a good God. And Jesus said, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. So Jesus, the Messiah, confessed as well that God is a good, good Father. You see, I'm, I, wanna, I, I just mentioned some of the characteristics, the nature of God is to be good, is to be faithful. <clears throat> but I want to tell you that more than that, the Bible tells me, that not only in his character and in his nature is God good, but also God loves to give good things to his children, those who fear him. And I'm going to tell you, this is what the Bible says. This is what the Bible says. Listen to Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 25. They took some of the fruit of the land in their hands and brought it down to us, and they brought it back to us, uh, and it says, it is a good land which the Lord our God is about to give. It is a good land. Maybe your land is not a nation. Maybe your land is not a large piece of property. Maybe your land is just a plot somewhere. And you can stand over it and say it is a good land. What the Israelites are saying is God even gives a good land to us. A fruitful place for people who love him. In Psalm 34 verse 10 it says, The young lions uh, do lack and suffer hungry, but they who seek the Lord, they who seek the Lord, and I hope that's you and me, all of us here tonight, it says they will not be in want of anything, any good thing. 
That's what God is saying. I hope you see that. And sometimes if it not, doesn't happen, I confess it and I believe it uh, over my life and over my family as well. Psalm 84 verse 11 says, The Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord gives grace and glory. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly with him. No good thing. That's a promise, isn't it? No good thing. I'm not saying everything he will give you. I'm not saying everything your heart's desire that he will give you. But it says no good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Psalm 85 verse 12 says, Indeed, the Lord will give what is good, and our land will yield its produce. Many years ago, Carol and I went to Argentina, and we looked at some transformational uh, uh, um, we, we were at a meeting that was called Transformation Argentina. And, and we, 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 we just heard stories of how God just in an amazing way blessed the land, blessed Argentina. And uh, we would go into prisons and, and there, was an, a, a big, there was a big group of us. And we would go into the prisons and we would see prisons being absolutely transformed. We walked into a high security where murderers lived. And, 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 and you walked in there and your first reaction is I'm feeling a little bit unsettled. You know, should I be going into this? And my wife is with me and so on. And as you walk in here, you immediately feel the presence of God. You see here that these guys have genuinely given their lives to the Lord. That they, we walked into a place maybe as big as these two blocks over here. And a couple of hundred guys, maybe three blocks, stood in that meeting. And they didn't even look at us. And they started to praise God and it felt like the walls were coming down. They were main business with God. And you know, when we walked out this door, at the doors, there were their families, young children and wives among them. And you think, among murderers, among guys who've committed serious crimes, is, how does this work? It's because God was starting to transform groups in that nation. And then I, very interesting, we had some farmers that spoke, and it's on video. And they brought some of their pumpkins. And they say, you know what? We have pray, prayed over our produce. And God has blessed us in amazing ways. You know, some of these pumpkins were almost bigger than some of us. Gee, now that's big, eh? <laughs> big, massive pumpkins. And you know what? And I thought, this is what the scripture says. Our land will yield its produce. God, because God is good. So I came home and I went to my veggie garden and I prayed over it and it died. <laughs> and then I worked out I should have watered it as well. You know, that, that was where I went wrong. So you can pray, but if you don't water it, it's going to die. Okay? So anyway, but God's, God blesses the land as well. In Psalm 86, it says, the Lord your God is ready to forgive. He's ready to forgive. You see, we've got this warped idea about God. He's ready to forgive our trespasses. In Psalm 103, verse 5, it says, Who satisfies your, your years, God who satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed, He satisfies your years with good things. Psalm 104, verse 28 says this, You give them, they gather it up, you open your hand, they are satisfied with good. You see, because we've heard so much bad teaching on prosperity, we want to throw everything out. God still blesses us. He wants to bless us with good. Nahum chapter 1 verse 17 says, The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. 
And I'll come back to that at the end of the service tonight as well. Romans chapter 2 verse 4 says, Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God is leading you to repentance? You see, even when you come to know the Lord Jesus Christ, it's not because your wife or your husband nagged you or your friends forced you to come to church. It's because you come to repentance because the goodness of God does not want to see you go to hell, and he brings you to repentance. Romans chapter 8, 28 says this, and we know that God causes all things to work together, together for the good for those who love him. So even in your difficult situation, the goodness of God can be worked out and worked through you as well. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says this, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove that the will of God, what the will of God is, which is good, and acceptable and perfect. The Bible says his will is good. That's the God that we serve, my dear friends. And so let me bring you back to that verse, James chapter 1, verse 17, because it says this. It says, for every good thing given and every perfect gift is from God. That's who God is. And I love this verse in Matthew chapter 7, verse 11 as well. And it says, you will seek him and he will give you what is good because you are his child. Read that verse there. If you then being evil now to give good things to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give what is good to those who ask him? Let me tell you, I think it will be inconsistent with the nature and the love and the power of God if he did not share his love and his nature with you and me as individuals. How many of you think it would be cool if you have got a bank account full of money and, and, and there's people really struggling, genuinely struggling and account you, and you've got more money that you can, can spend and you refuse to help somebody who might be in need? That's not good. That's not good. And so God has spoken to us for years in our church about sharing the goodness of God, the blessing that God has put in your life as well with other people. So on Wednesday night, I took a, a young man out. We went for a hamburger. It's really not a good thing to confess your sin in church, but maybe it is a good thing. So we had this Rockamamas. I think Rockamamas is going to be a, a franchise in heaven one day. I really think so. I think that guy has got a ticket straight to heaven. It's the most amazing burgers and stuff there. Don't you think so? How many, do you know what I'm talking about? Some of you look like I'm going to go there after the service. I think they will be open, and I, but I'm not getting anything for advertising. Might be sitting in Rockamamas. We're talking about Jesus, him and this, me and this young guy. And as I walked out, uh, there's this guy that comes up to me with dreadlocks, and he's smelly, and he's, and he's dirty, and so on. And he says, sir, I really need help. Now, what goes through your mind at the moment? Oh, not one of those again. So I looked at him in the eye, and I said, hey, listen, my buddy. I said, I will help you, but just don't lie to me. I said, I'm going to help you, but don't lie to me. If you're truthful with me, I will help you. So he looks at me like, like I'm beating him up now. And I said, I will help you, but just be truthful with me. Are you on drugs? And I said, even if you are, I'll help you, but just be truthful. He says, sir, I'm not. We have, as a family, we've lost everything. I'm living in Zanspreit. I'm sleeping on the street in Zanspreit. I have nothing. And you know, the heart of God just filled me. The Spirit of God just filled me with such a compassion for this young guy. So I took 200 bucks out, and I gave it to him, and I thought he was going to kiss me. I was getting ready to go, you know, and so on, you know. But he, he just... I could see in his eyes he was just so grateful. I gave it to him and I said, you know what I want you to do? Tomorrow I want you at 9 o'clock to come here and to meet one of our pastors and let's see if we can help you. And he did come. 
And I will hear on Monday what the report is about the, the session they had with him. But he also brought a friend. So he probably said, my friend, hey, listen, China, we're in for a blessing here. And I hope they received the Savior first. You see, God wants us to be good because he is good. God wants the church to be a place where others can receive the goodness of God. So by the way, I followed him. I, was a, I, was a, I thought, now I'm going to reverse very slowly because he walked out and I thought, I want to see if he goes to the bottle store or McDonald's. He did go to McDonald's. Okay, so not a good place, but he didn't go to the bottle store. Right? So, uh, so I thought, that I just want to see where he's going to spend my two, his 200 rand. All right, so, so you know what? When I look at God and I see the goodness of God, the church, my dear friend, is a place where the goodness of God needs to be demonstrated. We set the standard here because Jesus has shown us his goodness. Orphans need a home. Widows need to be taken care of. The poor needs to be ministered to. The sick needs healing. It is a place, the church, where the, where the goodness of God needs to be demonstrated. Bill Johnson says something very interesting in one of his books. He says, powerless people are looking for reasons for afflictions and not healing. How many times have you thought, what excuse am I going to give now to this person? Why God didn't come through for them? Instead of believing, just the word of God and just do it. That's my challenge. You see, my struggle is not to believe what the word says. Because the word is very clear on what I must do as a believer. When it comes to the poor, the widows, and the sick, and the demon possessed. It's very clear. My struggle is not that. My struggle is to take what I know and to actually practically apply it. You see, I've worked out with God that so often God expects me to do stuff that is impossible. Is that fair? Now, let me give you some of this stuff. Here's one thing God says in his word, and he says, be holy because I am holy. Peter, can you do it by Wednesday? Can you do it by Wednesday? Okay. Or maybe Friday. You see, why is this that, that God tells us to be holy? And it's not an invitation. He says, it's not a blessed uh, invitation. With, with, you know, he says, be holy because I am holy. And, and then you say, but I can't do it. I'm struggling to do this. Because even in my thought life, I'm struggling to be holy because I'm holy. And then here's another thing that God says, which is impossible. Love your enemies. How are you doing on that one? How are you doing on this one? Forgive those who trespass against you. Is the score not out of three at the moment? For most of us, that is it. We fail so badly, and yet God says, do it. Here's another one. Do not fear. You know, if I had to do a test here today and say, how many of us are walking around with fear, that most of us or many of us will stand up if we're honest. The Bible says, do not fear. The Bible says, here's the great commandment. Go into all the world, preach the gospel, heal the sick, drive out demons out of people. And we look at this and we say, why is this so difficult? I'm telling you why. The manifestation of God, of the love of God, is connected to impossibility. Why? The manifestation of God's love is also connected very closely to his presence. So let's put those two together. If it is God, it better be God. And so God says, I want, I want you to do something that I know you can't do. You're going to need my presence in your life to do it. 
And when I walk closely with God and in his presence, I can do some of these things. Then I can say I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You see, we want power, but we don't want power in this church to entertain people or to be known as people of power. We want the love of God to be manifested through us in practical ways. I'm a very practical person. If you give me something that I think I can't do, I will just say to you, let's, not, let's forget about it. I'm a very practical person. That's why cliches irritate me. That's why uh, plans that are pie in the sky irritate me. If it, if, if, if it can work, let's do it. And about the Word of God, I'm very like this, this as well. If it, if, if it says it, it better work. We better do it. You see, because ministry is simple, simply this. Listen to me, folks. God in action through me. God in action through me. Not me in action. God in action through me. Uh, let, let me quickly highlight a couple of other things. Because you know what? Some of us have got this thought about God that I want to eradicate a little bit. Some of us think that there's this old man in heaven glaring over his glasses, and he just wants to nail everybody. He's cross, man. He's crossed with a believer. He's crossed with the unbeliever. Uh, you know, and, we, and people say, well, what about the Old Testament? You know what? Let me tell you, God sorted out sin, but he didn't want to kill people and destroy people. He sorted out sin. You know, God, God is a good God by, in nature. And we've got this idea that, that he's this old man with a stick. He's been around for a long time. And he looks over heaven and says, I'll sort you out. You know, uh, your thoughts are bad, and it's just going to clap you. And that Jesus is walking around next to God and saying, okay, Dad, don't do that. Just calm down. I've died for that one. That's not how God is. Listen to me. Even as a sinner who have not given your life to Christ, listen to what the Bible says. God's kindness leads you to repentance. That's before you even knew him. So he loves the unsaved as well. He's got a heart for the unsaved. Listen to the other scripture, to the unsaved. In, uh, it says, I am slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. That's God's goodness, even to the unsaved. In Luke chapter 6, verse 35, it says, He's kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. You get a right picture, a better picture of the goodness of God here tonight? You see, in Matthew chapter 5, 45, it says that he causes the sun to rise on and the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. So you're looking around some people around you who are blessed, and you've got to say to them every now and hey, every good thing you've received from God. Now I've worked hard for it. Well, let's see if God will take it away if you'll still smile. Every good thing is from God. And God says, you know what? I've blessed even the just and the unjust. And then he has a scripture that I like so much. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 12, it says, God has put eternity in the hearts of people. What on earth does that mean? That there's in every individual, there's a little spot there that says this is made for God. You can grow that spot. In every heart, God says, in every heart, he's a just God. In every heart, there is a spot that God has made and says, I've put eternity in your heart. In other words, I've put a potential in you to be saved and to be in heaven one day. Before we close tonight, let me tell you something, my dear friend. You may need to hand your life over to him tonight. You may need to do that. But you also, if you, if you have done that, and maybe that's not your need, you may have to change your perspective about this God that I'm talking about. He's a good, good father. He's a good, good father. 
not an angry old man. And it's time that we learn how to run into the arms of a good God. Now you say, Roloff, but you don't know what I'm going through. No, you also don't know what I've gone through. And here's what I have learned to do in my life. When things are good, then I sing the songs that we sang tonight, and I, and I have my little Madiba jig, and I dance around, God is good, God is good. And I'm happy and I'm smiling. When things are not good, you know what I've learned to do? Then I hold on to the promise that he is good. I hold on to the promise that he is good. And in his goodness, he will take me through this stuff as well. That's what I do. So you may well experience it tonight and say, it's cool, I really believe, I, I'm with you, Rudolph. Or you may be sitting here and saying, oh, I don't know, man, you know. Well, let me tell you, the evil that's happening in your life, don't just ascribe it to God. Fight that battle and believe the word of God tonight. God is a good, good God. 